Welcome to the Paranormal Roundup, where we discuss how the mainstream media covered the paranormal this week. I'm Spirit Air Kenny. This week we started to notice that maybe the mainstream media is covering the paranormal in such a way that it's now becoming an ad for travel agencies. It's a lazy way to attract tourists to your town, to your hotel, to your city. This is something that I sort of looked at. We're going to get into that later. I'm Spirit of Kenny. Happy October. This is the month of the spooky paranormal. Ghosts and goblins running about. The leaves are changing colors. I went for a hike earlier this week and I saw all the leaves changing colors. The sun came up. It rained on me. The great thing about living on the prairies is that you can have two weather phenomena happen at the same time. You just need to pick fall to go and do some beautiful hiking. We have quite the show lined up for you. Starting with the Bermuda Triangle of the North. And then we're going to do a couple stories about National Ghost Hunting Day. It was also, this week, National Podcasting Day. So I hope you spread the love of your favorite show. I also saw, also, 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 but I also saw this week, Wolfman Has Nards. A documentary. I saw the trailer for Wolfman Has Nards. I didn't even know this documentary existed until now. I can't wait for it to come out. I tweeted about it. A documentary about Monster Squad. One of my favorite movies as a kid. Now I can remember when I was a kid. In my teenage years. And it was on Super Channel. And I was I watched Monster Squad. I stayed up. I taped it. I, ha I had it on tape. No, I don't think I taped it back then. Did I? No. I was taping Art Bell and stuff like that. But this movie Monster Squad came on Super Channel. And I was so amazed by what it was. I couldn't believe it. I watched it like a dozen times. And then I watched it once with my dad. And... Right after the show ended, right when the credits were going on the screen, my dad looked at me and goes, I don't think I did my job as a parent letting you watch that film. <laughs> I don't think I watched it again until much, much later. But I noticed that it was on Amazon Prime, so I watched it a couple months ago. That movie still holds up. What an amazing movie. I, I always, that movie was always in the back of my head as something that I had uh, like memories of, but I knew... I missed out on uh, like embracing it as a kid. I love that movie. I'm glad I found it again. I'm glad I found this documentary. If you love Monster Squad, Wolfman's got Wolfman has Nards. I mean, I can't wait to check it out. It's coming out later this month. Now, let's get into the paranormal roundup for this week. Have travel agencies and mainstream media figured out that they can use the paranormal to advertise their location? Now let's look at Point Pleasant. Point Pleasant, now we all know it as the town where the Mothman came to visit everyone before the tower or before the bridge collapsed and a lot of people died. But before that, no one knew anything about Point Pleasant. Everyone just knew that it was a, well, it was a dying community. There, no one knew anything about it except the tragedy about the bridge collapsing. But then the movie comes along, the Mothman prophecies, and they embrace that. And then tourism starts to pick up. So now it, now Point Pleasant has this vast, this huge uh, tourism community. And the town is thriving. It almost died. I mean, in one of the stories they had this week, uh, VOA, Voices of America, they did a story about Point Pleasant, uh, the Point Pleasant monster. And the phenomenon that happened after they embraced it, how the city uh, started to be uh, financially viable again. That's one of the stories that we're going to talk about this week. But let's take a look at the overview. Let's keep track. And I noticed this when I was putting together 
the show, but let's keep track of how many stories that we're reading are actually advertisements for travel locations. And of course, the first story is from travel.com. So right away, right away, we got one. One for the theory that mainstream media and tourism is using the paranormal as a way of attracting people to their location. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's get into it. This is from travel.com. But we'll read the story first before we decide whether it is a advertisement for touring in Alaska. As that's where the story comes from. More than 16,000 people have gone missing from Alaska's Bermuda Triangle. Is there any explanation? So the story goes on to say, People pose theories consisting of anything from UFO activity to a mythical frost demon. But to this day, there is no explanation. That's pretty, uh, that doesn't make me want to go check it out at all. <laughs> 16,000 people have gone missing. Maybe this is an anti. Maybe this might be the exception that proves this theory. But let's continue reading. Since 1988, there has been one area of the Alaska that's shrouded in mystery surrounding the disappearance of more than 16,000 people. This triangle-shaped area is connected via three Alaskan cities, Barrow, Anchorage, and Juneau, as well as the mountain range Barrow. For decades now, the question has raised to why this area is responsible for so many unusual phenomena so that there's even a show dedicated to deciphering its mysteries on the Travel Channel. Oh, so maybe this isn't an ad to go visit Alaska, but it's an ad for the show on the Travel Channel. It's still an ad, but it's not a tourism ad. So I don't know about that. Let's just continue. Some even refer to Alaska's triangle as the Devil Triangle due to all the activities that have witnessed in the area similar to the Bermuda Triangle. Anything from evil forces at work to unexplained vortexes, ooh, unexplained vortexes, have been blamed for the causing of all the disappearance, although to this day, not one theory has been proven correct. It's even been said that the area experiences high reports of UFO encounters, leading to many believe that extraterrestrial activity could even be to blame. One of the most wild theories, the belief in Bigfoot, is one that may stand by, although in Alaska he goes by a different name, Kashtaka, who lures unsuspecting people into the woods. Now this article goes on. Uh, the first recorded disappearances in 1972, when the U.S. House Majority Leader Hale Boggs was traveling across Alaska by a private plane with Congressman uh, Nick uh, Bigetch and Russell Brown and their pilot, Don John, and their airplane crashed, but that was in or not crashed, but their airplane disappeared, but that was in 1972. But that was the first report, major report incident, and those are some pretty... Now, they do say that Alaska has the highest amount of missing people cases in all the USA. And when they refer to, or when the Aboriginal people refer to Kashtaka, they say it's a demonic monster type Bigfoot who lures people away into the woods. And then they are, start to give some more uh, logical reasons, some non-paranormal reasons. Now, the train, the weather, the conditions, uh, people falling off cliffs or into frigid waters. Uh, people can fall into glacier crevices, which there's, if you see a glacial crevice, you know, some people don't even see them. You just fall straight down into them. They're pretty scary things when you think about them. Uh, cold weather, 
can also be uh, a part of the reason why people go missing and also wildlife. One of the stories they end off with is this story from 1947 and it highlights some of the issues that people can have with uh, plane crashes in Alaska. Now in 1947, a British South American Airways plane crashed into the Alaskan wilderness and the wreckage wasn't found until about more than 50 years later. When it was, experts were finally able to piece together the scene. It was determined that the plane had actually crashed into a vertical glacier and upon hitting the ground triggered an avalanche oh, that buried the plane in only a matter of minutes. Therefore, it was not only the wilderness, its own, uh, its wilderness that was in its own became the problem, but it's the fact that the recovery of the mission is sometimes impossible due to extreme snow and ice uh, that makes this area a disaster zone for any type of plane or vehicles. So that's pretty crazy, even just to think about it. Just a plane crashing, and it's hard enough to find a plane crash as it is right now, with the, but maybe with black boxes it's easier. But in 1947, probably didn't have one. And yeah, plane goes missing. Crashes, avalanche covers it. They can't find it. This is a great article, great pictures. Uh, you know, like you can see, it looks like the wilderness. It looks like God's country up there. There's uh, forests going up the hills and rivers and trees. So although they're saying that 16,000 people have gone missing from Alaska, I still want to go visit. So we will definitely add this one up for, uh, <laughs> it is a travel ad for Alaska. That's one for travel ads. Now, let's move on to the next story. We're going to stick with the Bigfoot theme on this one. Out of the 604 Now, which is a BC website, uh, the 604 Now is dedicated to Metro Vancouver and the southwest corner of British Columbia. So we're staying tucked into the western provinces, western part of the uh, North American continent. Uh, daily we engage a diverse community and excite our readers to explore the best of their city within their metropolis. So they have a story called legend has it. These caves in BC are possible home to Bigfoot. Well, why are you even going in there? If you know that there are caves that could be home to Bigfoot, why would you even go in there? Now the Sasquatch caves got its name due to the belief that it is a possible home for the classic folklore tale of the ape like creature. That's because, legend has it, a Sasquatch family was once spotted there. Now, this one time in BC, this one guy saw a Bigfoot. So they named the caves after the Sasquatch monster. That's pretty, it's pretty sketchy to me. It's pretty sketchy. I wouldn't name a road Chicken Road because I saw a chicken on it one time. But that's just me. Maybe you're running out of names for caves. I'm like, ah, it's Sasquatch Cave. That's where... Why did you call it Sasquatch Caves? And because the guy isn't too creative. He's like, oh, I saw a Sasquatch where? He's like, you saw a Sasquatch? He's like, yeah, I saw a Sasquatch. The caves are right in the heart of Bigfoot country and consist of a series of high grounded tubes that run for about 200 feet long. Now, I got to just point this out. How do you know this is Bigfoot country? A, is it Bigfoot country or Sasquatch country? And are they one and the same thing or two of the same things? And B, how do you know how do you, if, big, if you haven't found a Bigfoot, how do you know Bigfoots hang out there? I mean, it does look beautiful, though. This is clearly a travel ad for these Sasquatch caves in BC. So that's two out of two right now, we're saying. Two out of two. Let's see what this next story we have this week. And the headline of Paranormal News. What do we got now? The Blast reports this story. Bigfoot spotted on Little People Big World's Rollo Family Farm. What? So... 
you don't know what the blast is i i don't know what the blast is but it looks like a pop culture uh website pop culture news website uh, all right uh bigfoot was just spotted on the property of one of the biggest reality stars on the planet and they have pictures all right and the pictures are, is like a black and white shitty looking model <laughs> of a bigfoot on the left hand side this story stinks this is a lousy story uh the black and <laughs> uh i guess he posted on instagram oh no just what we don't need bigfoot is hanging out in the little people's big big forest warning second sighting this month stay away until further notice he continues (laughs) oh this is the part that really gets by the way tickets are still available on several days this october but reservations are filling up fast oh so this is a this is an ad this is a hardcore ad what like there's three out of three this is like just the biggest ad that i've seen and it's on theblast.com a pop culture website like i guess it's cute you know he's tongue-in-cheek like oh look at this bigfoot thing right here but it's just an ad to get people to go to their farm buy tickets to go to their farm great that's just great uh next oh boy another travel.com story folks i'm not lying Travel.com. We've mapped out the most convincing Bigfoot sightings so you can go Sasquatch stalking. Now, it used to be called squatting, right? No, squat, squashing. But I guess that wasn't attractive. Sasquatch stalking. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, right away. Four out of four. Four out of four. They're called believers. And to the believers, his name is simply Sasquatch. Hey, and that's the motto of this show. Believers are going to believe, right? The story continues. Bigfoot, also known as the famous Sasquatch, has long believed to stalk the woods in many U.S. states. Among other mythical creatures that are believed to inhabit North America, Bigfoot is by far one of the most believed and sought out of all the animals on the list. Now, A, is he an animal or is he a man? That's part of it. Or is he a mythical creature or is he a cryptid? Now, I don't think he's an animal. If he exists... They're not animals, but let's we'll carry on, all right? While the fate of Bigfoot remains uncertain, as does its existence, there's no denying that some allegations, some alleged sightings are pretty dang, oh, they're swearing, pretty dang convincing. As cameras and the ability to record footage become more and more popular, more and more witnesses have come forward, and by extension, more and more places Bigfoot are more and more places are Bigfoot hotspots. Now, they have three hotspots they bring up. So let's just talk about this one. The first one, Provo Canyon, Utah. The article continues, a well-known hotspot thanks to YouTube, Provo Canyon bore witness to two supposed Bigfoot sightings. The video that shows the greatest glimpse of Bigfoot seems to show a tall, at least six foot tall, human-like figure standing straight up after digging through some underbrush. All right, so let's look at this video. I mean, Links below, check out the video. You don't see much. You see people recording a black mass in the woods that looks like it stands up and then they run. So it could be a bear. It could be a man in the suit. It could be anything. You can't really can't tell because they, they run away. And you know what? If it is a Bigfoot, I would run away too. If it was a if it was a bear, I also would run away. That thing looks if it is real, it would be terrified. I would be terrified, and the correct reaction is to run away. But you can't say it's Bigfoot because you 
don't know what it is. It's a black mass on a camera. Now let's not forget, we live in the day where people use their YouTube channels to promote how good their CGI skills are. So we, we can't, unless we know, we don't know, right? Multiple angles, multiple sources, and some physical evidence of the Bigfoot would be nice. But let's keep on moving. Pennsylvania is no stranger to the world of Sasquatch. This is the uh, next little thing here. There have been many sightings in the forest and wooded areas over the last decades. And one of the most famous uh, was back in 1980. In Johnsontown, a footprint that measured a whopping 17 and a quarter inches was found near residence. Oh my God. You know what? This, this story, actually, this 1980s Johnson footprint is the most stinky story that I've ever heard. This is a nonsense story right off the top. Get this. Get this story. Get this story. Let's read it. The spooky thing about this isn't that some hunter or hiker who just happened to stumble upon the footprint, the impression was left uh, not so far from someone's home. It garnered so much attention, the Associated Press ran a story on the supposed Bigfoot footprint. Homeowners in the area also reported smelling an unusual scent and hearing strange, <laughs> strange noises right before the footprint was made. So get this. This guy found a footprint in like his backyard and he called people over to now here's what could have happened this guy made it imprint because it's only one footprint it's not a series of footprints it's only one footprint he made a footprint in his backyard he howled out some noise made a racket sprayed some skunk hole everywhere and then called some people out it's, it's like the laziest it's like the laziest canyon creakers i've ever heard hashtag Laziest canyon creatures I ever heard. See what happens there. Probably nothing. This guy doesn't even... Like, he doesn't even try to go to the woods to make it seem like Bigfoot is there. He's like, oh, no, it's Saturday night. I've had a couple of beers. I don't want to go driving. Although in 1980, you could drive wherever you want when you're drunk. But he's like, hey, I'll just go cruise down. I'll just go to a neighbor's yard, make some howling sounds, spray some skunk oil. I really don't like them anyway. And, yeah, have a fake, a fake imprint of a Bigfoot foot. What a, what a lazy canyon creaker. I gotta say. The last story is actually a pretty good story. Um, according to a Mississippi native, uh, Josh Highcliffe, a skunk ape, was lurking in the woods not far from him while hunting on his property back in 2013. It's a good video. Doesn't look real. Looks fake. Looks like it's uh, a CGI of some person or, or monkey working on a tree in the woods. Uh, the only real... Uh, crazy thing is a uh, stick drops in it that's about it but yeah go check it out but that was a definite ad so the next story is actually uh the voa let me get this in the voa it has a short little video of the mothman so just go check it out just like a little reminder of what the mothman was and uh what it did for point pleasant but that is definitely that point pleasant thing and mothman is definitely a big ad for point pleasant ah see because even i want to go check it out and I usually don't want to check out things now. I think we'll stick with other strange stories around America about mysterious monsters. K-O-E-L. News, egg, and the best in country. Serving the Owhiney, Iowa area. Has a story. And this is actually, this is actually a really cool story. As legend goes, in July of 1884, hunters in Gordon Ferry, Iowa, spotted... 
what they could only believe to be a wild man, except it was, in fact, a wild woman. Uh Uh-oh, in the forest. The woman was described to be standing like a statue in the woods and had black, disheveled, long hair. The wild woman was described to be about 20 years old and she was nude. What? Uh-oh, this is getting a little racy. A nude wild woman in the woods? It's like every hunter's dream in 1884. The hunters report that the woman had a receding forehead as well. <laughs> well, they're, they're saying that she's bald. A bald, wild woman in the woods. That's every 1884 man's fantasy. This is almost assault. The hunters decided to approach the... Well, this is assault. From behind. It's a different type of assault now. This They are very lucky that these guys weren't me too Really. They're trying to approach this woman from behind. The hunters reportedly uh, released... Or when the hunters uh, reached the woman and they touched her... She screamed an unearthly scream and took off into the woods at incredible speeds. Although the men continued to search for the in the woods for hours. Yeah, they were looking for a naked wild woman. They never saw it again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, you know what? This is a great story. It reminds me of the Paris and Gimlin uh, story because we know uh, that Bigfoot was a woman. So we have two tales in like the early early modern era about uh, wild women in the woods. That's ah, a great story. Uh, the wild woman, you know, it's 100% believable in the 1884 to have wild people in the woods. Uh, Aboriginal people could have been living in the woods. Uh, someone could have got lost from their camps and may have just been surviving on their own for a little bit. Or uh, maybe it was like a mentally ill person uh, wandering around the woods. Uh, being 20, you know, at that age is right around when they would start to start to wither and die because you know, people didn't live too long back then. So yeah, that's a, a, a amazing story, a good story. Thank you. K-O-E-L. News egg and the best in country. Now as we stick along our mysterious monsters around North America, we're going to head over to Texas and out of Click to Houston. These mysterious tales reveal the history of of Halloween in Texas. And the story goes like this. With Halloween around the corner, here's a snapshot of how Halloween arrived in Texas. The origin of Halloween dates back to oh, more than 2,000 years ago to an ancient festival called Samhain, a holiday marking the end of the harvest season and beginning of winter in Ireland, according to the KVUE. Now, this story now brings up a whole bunch of um, places where you can go, haunted buildings in Austin, uh, the West, the West Texas glowing lights. But the story that I want to highlight from this article: Goatman of Lake Worth. Now, a Goatman story is worth four Bigfoot stories, and it's worth ten Nessie stories. Here we go: The Goatman of Lake Worth. Have you heard the story of the Goatman of Lake Worth? Question mark. It all started when a group of people say they saw a seven foot, uh, seven foot, 350 pound beast in Fort Worth. Now, how are you going to know that it's 350 pounds? Right. Did you weigh it? No, it has a lot of fur there. It could be very deceptive. In the summer of 1969, according to KVUE, Goatman, who was first half man, half goat, was described as hairy, horned 
and covered in scales. Now, why is a goat man covered in scales? Uh, witnesses said he ran across a cliff and tossed up a pick, uh, tossed a pickup truck tire over the edge. Oh my God, this thing's just wild, out of control. This myth quickly spread, and the media had to dispel it. Nonetheless, the story inspired a play and a short book. So, goat man covered in scales. I don't. Why would they call it a goat man if it was covered in scales? Just like a half man, half goat, half lizard. Strange and. And his favorite thing to do is toss things off cliff edges. So there you go. But yeah, it's, a goat man encounter is always very phenomenal because it's really it's very reminiscent of uh, the Jersey Devil stories, right? There's this there is this phenomenon where people see half people, half goat creatures that are scaly uh, in uh, North America. So yeah, in Texas. Good story. That's definitely not an ad. But it kind of is, though, because it has the haunting buildings in Texas, the West Texas light. So we'll, we'll, we won't have that one as an advertisement for, we'll say it's not. So that's two in a row, which aren't ads for traveling agencies. Now this one, when I woke up and I saw this story, uh, I was like, boy, my day is ruined. Uh, 12 creepy vintage photos that send chills down your spine. This is courtesy of Woman's Day, and this is a seriously good article. They have really good pictures of, like, past, ancient, like, ancient modern times uh, photos of, like, early Halloween. And, like, the 1910s early Halloween is just 100% terrifying. The mask and the outfit those kids wore were so scary. Of course you'd give those kids candy to get away. You know, there's a early seance with ectoplasm. Now, you got to remember, like before TV and the internet, people had so many crazy ideas. They had so much time to think about, like, what am I going to do? I got to host this party. How am I going to make this party better than Evelyn's last year? You know, so they get like a guy that has a seance, like an ectoplasm that can shoot under people's mouths. You know, you got to think like these are adults that are trying to entertain other adults, trying to fool them into thinking they have ghosts around. My word. But yeah, that first photo of these creepy clowns, that ruined my day. That ruined my sleep. I couldn't have a nap because <laughs> I kept thinking of those clowns. What the heck? Clowns, like in the early 1900s, is just terrifying. Ter a kid, oh, there's another one of, of a woman posing with her dead child. Mm -mm. I, like, I understand that you paid for the photos, but... Uh, that's it's sad and terrifying. Uh, I, and a kid holding her dolly. <laughs> oh no, she's not holding her dolly, but her dolly's in. Yeah, those dolly, like everything that was made in the 1900s, is terrifying, for whatever reason. Ugh, it's a good story. It's good pictures. If you want to get creeped out, go check it out. It's a, a really good story. Women's Day. Check it out. Moving on. Now the website for this next story might be a tip into whether they're using the paranormal as a way to sell tourism, travel and leisure, the most haunted cities in America and the ghosts that call them home. And of course, it's like the top 10 list of the top places you want to go in America to experience a ghost. You have New Orleans, you got Chicago and you got Savannah and the list goes on and on and on. So you can definitely see this is definitely a good example of how 
tourism companies are using the paranormal as a tour as a tool to lure people into places around the world. And let's just go uh, internationally. Check out this story. The most haunted places in Singapore. According to the paranormal investigator and why Pula Ubin takes the hotspot. Now, this is a blatant advertisement. And this is this is also part of it too. Like all these stories, it was like a the dominoes falling. That sort of flipped the switch that made me think, oh, like all these av- all these lists here of places to go visit are using the paranormal to try to get people to go here. Now, especially this one in Singapore. Alright, let's go check it out. Now, when you think Paula Ubin, you might imagine twinkle uh, campunk scenery. Bum boats, coconut trees, and wooden huts. That's exactly what I think about. How about it being one of the most haunted places in all of Singapore? At least, this is according to a local paranormal investigator, Noel Boyd. Now, the 42-year-old Singapore's creepy experiences on the islands have left a deep impression. To Boyd, Paula Ubin is without doubt the most haunted spot in Singapore. One experience made him seek help from a medium. Ooh, one experience made him seek help from a medium. Now he goes on to talk about the encounters he had, uh, hearing a female voice uh, singing while they were in a Muslim uh, cemetery. Oh, what the heck? Uh, To Boyd, the voice was beautiful, but to his companions, it was horrible. While he was uh, keen on tracking down the source of the sound, the rest of the group were adamant in leaving. Now, this is very similar to a Banji uh, story. Banjilore. Very interesting indeed. So, you check out the YouTube channel. The rest of this article. It's pretty much like a travel blog. Here are some places that look like they're haunted. But it doesn't really say what uh, paranormal activity happens at these places. It just sort of highlights, like, this place looks haunted. This place, like, it, it, it uh, highlights the horrible histories of these places. Like, um, like whether it was like a murder uh, den, and all of these things are very interesting because it's always, uh, it's always curious to know when you see beautiful places like that. They always have this dark sort of history sometimes, and that's a very big contrast to the, the beautiful nature of the area. But if you're, you find yourself in Singapore, uh, you can go check it out. So we will be adding this one to the uh, tourism using paranormal to attract people, to lure people to different spots. Now we do have this added up. It is six to two or six out of eight stories have been advertisements using paranormal as the tool to bring people into the cities where people are streaming their Facebook event, their Facebook paranormal event, and then something bad drastically happens. But let's get into a couple of the stories that happened with the National Paranormal Week last weekend now last weekend was national ghost hunting day in the states september 26 so i figured i'd bring a batch of ghost hunting stories from the national ghost hunting day this comes from way three battleship host night long ghost hunt this is very cool i would want to stay in that battleship overnight that's for sure this weekend paranormal investigators met at the north carolina battleship for National Ghost Hunting Day. Led by positively paranormal investigators, three teams 
mad at the battleships for a all-night ghost encounter, lugging on monitors, cameras, and paranormal equipment. As they geared up, Doug Anderson of Port City Paranormal boiled down the process to just a few words. We converse with them, we talk to them like I'm talking to you right now, and sometimes they talk back. Seems uh, like a very simple procedure. Matt S., the positively paranormal team leader, shared his main concern, saying, Lots of people say that the spirits on here are spirits of the sailors. We've kind of on the edge, you know, of that fence because the devil is deceiving. Ooh, that's very spooky. This guy is saying the devil is on this boat. Uh, the event was part of the world's largest ghost hunt. An evening organized by paranormal investigators across the U.S. to live stream the document. As many ghost hunts as possible on the same night. Well, that's cool. Americans are always trying to make things bigger. Trying to break records. So, of course, why wouldn't the main reason for all these ghost hunts is to have the world's largest ghost hunt and try to capture all the ghosts in what night. But it is a nice article. The host said it straight. Beautifully done. But I really love I really loved the picture with the investigator that has the Ghostbusters face mask. I mean that is that was radical. That is definitely a mask that I like to get before uh for Halloween, really. That could be my costume. It's the the got mask wearing Ghostbuster. No, there's no mask wearing Ghostbuster. Very similar story. The USS Lexington hosts paranormal investigation. Very similar indeed. Many brave souls, spectators, and more will take part in a paranormal walkthrough aboard the USX Lexington located on North Beach. Those who participate will learn much about the history of the massive ship and just might come in contact with a few un unexpected encounters. Ooh. Sometimes you have nothing happen, which gets a little embarrassing. It's like, where are you guys? Yeah, it's also like, you know, uh, when you get older and you got to worry about that ED stuff. But the story goes on to say, but there's also other times where you kind of get stuff that happens. Says uh, Bill Miller, chief investigator of Blue Ghost Paranormal. That's a, that's a pretty good name. We've had super icy cold spots. We've had shadows. We've had walking in the pathways, but no one there. Okay, so the other boats might have a devil on it and this guy just has some cold spots and some people walking down a hallway i was standing here at one time oh here's the story i was standing here one time i, I always do a pre-walk to make sure that everything is safe and something came up and just rubbed my arm like that <laughs> so we have one boat where the devil might be and another boat where a guy got his arm rubbed oh my gosh oh all right moving on this one's out of Binghamton, New York. Bundy Museum and Empirical Paranormal to participate in the world's largest ghost hunt. A local museum and paranormal group are inviting the world to join them on their next adventure. The Bundy Museum of History and Art is participating with Empirical Paranormal to participate in the worldwide ghost hunt. Rutler says the Bundy regularly experiences paranormal events and most common being heavy footsteps upstairs. Is it the heavy footsteps of the devil? Uh, she says the museum has always welcomed investigators with open arms. If you're interested in watching a variety of investigators, 
from all over the world, you can visit the nationalghosthunting.com site and make an account. That's well, I guess. Well, I guess it's kind of late for us. <laughs> well, we had a good first story. They thought there's the devil on the boat. Um, then some guy was grabbed one time, and then we just heard footsteps going up the stairs. But there you go. That was the uh, what I saw for the National Ghost Hunting Day. Uh, maybe you saw more. If you want to send me a story, please feel free to do it. Spirit of Kenny at hotmail.com or Twitter at Spirit of Kenny. So maybe after seeing that, you now want to become a paranormal investigator. Well, I have good news for you. This is from Texas. Investigating the paranormal class at the MCC. Yes, ghost hunting becomes pretty popular every year near the month of October. However, McLennan Community College isn't where you would expect to learn about it. Cindy Little has been investigating paranormal activity for more than 14 years. It's not that nonstop action things that pop out, you know. If you want something like that, go to a commercial haunted house, uh, Little says. Now, this reminds me of, when I first read about this, this reminds me of when, like, universities and colleges, they always offer these strange classes, like how to play StarCraft II. And it's because they're trying to attract uh, a certain type of audience, a certain type of student to their campus. They have to offer these fun classes or else no one would show up. I, they have to have their core classes. But you know, people want to play StarCraft II, have fun doing it, and get better at doing it. But let's continue. Now, for the past four years, she has been teaching about investigating the paranormal at MCC. The very first question I ask my students when they come into the door is, are you a skeptic or a true believer? Now, why can't you just be curious? You know, why do you have to be one or the other? Why do you have to be polarizing the class like that? We go over some of the history and theories behind ghosts and how to investigate it scientifically and how to treat witnesses and personal property. Well, that's always a, a very good thing. Do they watch Ghostbusters and be like, this isn't what you do, this is what you do? Now, see, <laughs> when you're talking to people, before you could talk like Peter Vankman, you know, but now you can't because you'll get hashtag me too. And you can't use your proton plaque pack to blast, you know, away a wall at a hotel. It's just called destruction of private property. <laughs> uh, but move it on. Uh, while taking the course, there's also investigating paranormal activity at local businesses, museum parks, churches, and cemeteries. I've seen ghosts and actually actual an actual apparition, ooh, uh, which was really cool, but it was peaceful and calm. Oh, well, that's nice. You saw a nice, calm, peaceful ghost. One of the biggest misconceptions people have, according to Little, is they believe it's like what they see on the movies or TV shows. Well, you know what? Nothing is ever like what's in the TV or movie shows. Nothing is ever like that. I've never seen anyone say, oh, yeah, it's just like the movies. It is never like that. Life is not like the movies. I mean, that could be literally, uh, um, uh, that could be a movie. Life is not like the movies. And people will be like, that's not what life is like. Uh, the story goes on to say, don't judge a book by its cover. Little says, I have people that kind of raise eyebrows at what I do. And I'm sure they think that I'm the crazy ghost lady. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You are the crazy ghost lady. That's awesome. That's an awesome expression. Uh, crazy ghost lady. It's like way better 
would you rather be a crazy ghost lady or a crazy cat lady? And it's like, we'll come and talk to them and let them have a conversation about this. Well, that's the new thing. Crazy ghost lady. I way would way rather be a crazy ghost lady than a crazy cat lady. You know why? Because your house doesn't stink. You might stink something else, but not a, not a cat poop. That's for sure. Now, again, like universities, they need to have something that stands out. Like, And if the university isn't a huge university for sports or technical stuff, they're going to have sort of weird and uh, wacky stuff. And here it is. So after that, you want to become a ghost hunter. Here's a few tech ideas from KISS 95.1 FM, Charlotte's number one hit music station. Five ghost hunting apps that claim to find paranormal activity. Here's a little list. Uh, ghost hunting tools. I've Ovis. Ghost calm radar, spirit, uh, spirit detector, ghost sensor, blah, 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 blah. You know what? They all sound like great ways to install some spirit spyware on your phone. Just skip that. Go to eBay and order a ghost box. That would be the best thing to do. Moving on. Well, no, we'll stick in Charlotte, actually. Now, because it is the spooky season, Charlotte Magazine has a feature article about school spirit. The ghost of Queen University and Myers Park. And it's, uh, it's a great read. Uh, check it out. The most famous one. But we'll just get right down to it. The most famous one. Queen's own telltale heart occurred at Warehouse Morris Hall. It concerns a young lady named Claire. Who was living in one of the upstairs rooms. And Claire has a story. A couple of different versions. But its skeletons is this. Around the end of World War II, Claire wrote her Dear John letter to her soldier boyfriend who was stationed overseas. She had been seeing other boys. Oh my gosh. Yet her soldier was already on his way back. The letter never reached him. You can guess where, he, where this is going. Our GI described, uh, decided to surprise his sweetheart at her dorm room. The surprise was on him. This is where the legend gets fuzzy. Some accounts have the soldier in a jealous rage covering Claire's mouth, try, uh, tying a bed sheet around her neck and pushing her over the banister. Oh my God. Uh, others have Claire so grief stricken by her act of independent uh, betrayal that she did the deed herself. But either way, sometime after the colleague erected a ceiling to floor panel and witch slats that to this day block access to the banister and Claire Pass into Queen's legend. Oh my gosh, but she she did commit suicide or was thrown over the edge and hung. Except she's still uh, pranking her way through Morris Hall, the wrong underage or the wrong undergrad who can't bring herself to leave. No, <laughs> what the heck? I don't know if she was wronged. She was cheating on her boyfriend who was in World War II. Now, maybe she just shouldn't have brought it up. Or, I don't know. But yeah, there you go. Charlotte Magazine has a feature story about um, Queen's University. Go check it out. Pretty cool. Now, although you could say that university article that we talked about earlier in Texas could maybe be an ad to bring people to the university. I'm going to be in good faith. I'm going to say that was just like, here's, a, here's an interesting program that's happening at our university. You know, we're not trying to lure people to Texas. So that's one there. Uh, we're going to say that the Ghost Hunting Day articles were just uh, pure and pristine articles. That they weren't trying to 
lure us to those places. So right now it's looking like it's actually uh, six to eight in favor of these articles being pure pristine articles. That's awesome. That's good. Now this article about the uh, apps, um, yeah, that's kind of an ad, but it's not an ad for any place in particular. It's just an ad for apps for spreading spyware. But then we get to this NAR City article, six haunted places in Georgia where you can actually stay overnight. Now this is clearly an ad. We'll mark it down right there and continue on with the story. With so much history and home in Savannah alone, one of the most haunted cities in the country, it's, not, it's no surprise that cities all across the Peach State are crawling with ghosts and ghouls who might be wanting to befriend you in your slump. No, the, the last thing I want to do, the last thing I want to happen to me is to be befriended by a ghoul at night. That sounds horrible. That sounds like 1408 coming alive. Now, of course, we all remember 1408. It is that 2007 movie with John Cusack where he stays the night or he tries to stay the night in a room that's supposed to be haunted and shit happens. And if you haven't seen that movie, 1408, it is a stellar movie. It's based upon a Stephen King book. Just a phenomenal, phenomenal movie. But let's get back to this ad. I mean, article. Uh, let's just do the, they have a couple different uh, stories, but let's just do the first one. The Windsor Hotel. Now, of course, we all know the Windsor is where we should go if there's a zombie apocalypse, but let's hear about the ghost. Despite this 1892 hotel being one of the most luxurious best westerns, oh my god, it's a best western. There's no, look, I mean, look at this place. It doesn't even look like a best restaurant. And it's only $107 a night. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. Uh, you'll likely ever see the inside holds a lot of historic whores that still haunt the halls today. Although the bedrooms and common areas are renovated in 2020, that's this year, it's said that the spirits still remain. Well, have, have they even had time to, like, justify that? <laughs> it's, old, it's still 2020. It's still 2020. Uh, guests have reported laughter from a little girl who was pushed down the elevator to her death. Jesus, that's not a funny thing. You thought the devil was on that battleship. The devil is in this great Best Western Hotel. And sights of a deceased doorman who apparently still services guests. The hotel even provides paranormal activity tours. Well, does the doorman like get you free stuff? Or if you tip him, this strange thing happens in your room? Are you like, do you know you're tipping a ghost when you tip the deceased doorman? And does he do like deceased paranormal activity stuff for you? I would slip him a 10, see what happens. But <laughs> hopefully nothing. Maybe you can slip him a 10 and he ensures that the paranormal activity doesn't come after you. My gosh. Now this looks like a beautiful building. Uh, red brickwork all around. There's arches and white pillars. But man. This cute little girl that was pushed to her death and starts going around the halls giggling and laughing. That is that is right out of 1408. Ah, oh, we're gonna They have five other spooky places that you can go stay, but I no thank you. Next. This was out of Yahoo News. These Orange County ghost stories will keep you up at night. Uh Orange County is full of ghost stories that can keep you up at night on Halloween. Or just Halloween. Not any other not any other night, just Halloween. 
2020, I'm in the coronavirus pandemic. This could be the strangest Halloween in recent memories. From the mysterious Black Star County, or Black Star Canyon, to the haunted homes of Laurel Beach and San Jose, here are just a few of our favorites. And then, of course, they link to all these patch.com stories. So we're not even going to get into that. But yeah, this is like just a basic big ad for all these places that you can go visit in California. Disneyland Ghost is on there too. So we'll add this up for tourism using paranormal to lure people to strange places like Disneyland. Now, speaking of the patch.com, they have a story. Fleetwood Church to be seen on National Paranormal TV Show. A historic church located in central Virginia will be featured on the Witching Hour TV series. This is very cool. Tis the season for paranormal investigation. Argos Paranormal is proud to announce that the season finale of their award-winning TV series, The Witching Hour, will begin airing on selected public access TV stations throughout the United States. Oh, that's awesome. Starting Friday, September 25th. So that's already started. In an upcoming episode, Argos Paranormal conducted a follow-up investigation at the Fleetwood Church in Brandy Station, Virginia, to determine whether recent construction work on the property has been causing an uptick in activity at the church. Now, Argos Paranormal, and they have a killer website, and that's awesome they have a TV show. Their mission statement at Argos. Argos is equipped with the tools and equipment to withstand all sorts of terrain and weather. Oh, good for them. For those of you who are familiar with Fleetwood, the article goes on to say, it was an operate it was an operating church from 1881 to approximately 1974 that played an integral role in the community by not only serving as a local church but also as a cultural hub where locals would gather for community events. Meanwhile, the church is also believed to have been built over what used to be the Brady Graveyard, Jesus, which served as both the town cemetery and a burial site for soldiers who fought in the Battle of Brandy Station. The church is currently owned and maintained by Stephen Pullett, who is actively working to pre uh, preserve the infrastructure and integrity of the church. Well, good luck. I mean, I hope no one gets hurt. I hope they investigate and nothing bad happens, unless that's what they want. <laughs> because, you know, some of these paranormal investigators, they go out there and they're just like, Willy Tilly doing nothing. That, that's an ad for the TV show, but it's not an ad for uh, tourism in Virginia. So we'll click that over on the other side. So it's looking pretty good. Not all these stories are huge ads for tourism in state cities or villages. Now, I saw a lot of articles this week about this uh, community starting their local uh, ghost tours or haunted houses. So I just want to highlight just this one and just saying like I acknowledge it. I saw them out there and had to weed a lot out. Uh, Orlando's Haunt brings the spooky season home. Forget the princess costumes and superhero capes this Hall Halloween. Orlando Haunts is all about the terrible tales of secret societies, murders and hidden tunnels, ill-fated UFO encounters, ghostly hauntings, and all things tragic and terrifying. That sounds awesome. <laughs> uh, among the tours... Uh, offer haunted Boston gruesome Gettysburg and ghost infested New Orleans the murderous Chicago tickets are $15 per viewer on demand pre-recorded tours from past events are also available for $13 per viewing uh, this might this might be the perfect way to spend the evening in 2020 
put on one of these ghost tours, crack a drink, have a fire next to you, you know, have the window open or go outside. Might be just, just perfect, just what you need to get you in that Halloween mood. But this is an ad for, it's an online ad for online stuff. But we'll say it's an ad. We'll count it as an ad for tourism. This is a really odd headline uh, out of KSAT. Are ghosts real? Check the evidence and you be the judge. So according to KSAT, they, you can just look at the pictures in this article and be like, oh yeah, ghosts are real. This is a, a paranormal fact now. Ghosts are a thing. They're real. Thank you, KSAT. Moving on. What a ridiculous idea. What a ridiculous headline. The story is actually really good. It has some uh, places uh, where you can go. It has some good pictures of uh, and little write-ups of what they're about. But here's the story. Do you believe in ghosts or are you a skeptic? Sometimes we need to experience something ourselves to truly believe in it. Here is some evidence from some reportedly haunted places in San Antonio and surrounding areas. Yes, they're comparing it to foods. Like sometimes you need to try tacos to realize how good they are, and then you try them all the time. But they have another list of places where there have been local reports of strange occurrences, but let's just talk about this top one here. The Menger Hotel. This historic hotel was built right near the Alamo in 1859, and many guests and staff have claimed that it is haunted. KSAT viewer Felicia P. shared the photo below with us. She captured the photo when she was visiting Manger Hotel in 2013. It appears to show a child in red walking with a dark figure behind the child. Well, yeah, that's the, there's a girl in a red cloak and there's a shadow behind her. Oh, there's more. Uh, but she says when she took the photo, nothing was there. Okay, so not even the girl in red was there. That's a creepy photo then. All right, maybe they're right. Maybe ghosts are real. K-stat, K-S-A-T, K-stat, we just figured it out, ghosts are real. Despite the headline, this is actually a really good story. Um, is it tourism using paranormal to attract people to sites? Uh, kind of is, because it does bring up a couple different places. So we will add it there. So right now it is 10 to 9 for tourism using paranormal to attract people to different sites. That's about right. It's about right from what I thought. But let's continue. The haunted history of William Falkert's Rowan Oak. This is a, a pretty interesting article. Uh, in 1930s, Southern literary Lionel William uh, Falkert purchased an 1840 primitive Greek revival home that had seen better days and set about restoring it. The antebellum house and the four-anchor manicured grounds nestled into nearly 30 anchors of woodland let themselves to imagination, especially in the mind of Fuller, who enjoyed telling ghost stories to his daughter, Jill, and other children in the family. Among the spooky tales he invented was that, uh, that of Judith Shigo, a lovelorn daughter of the original owner, who hurled herself from a balcony and was buried beneath the magnolia trees on the property in 1970. Fulwick's daughter sold Rayon Oak to the University of Mississippi, which opened it for tours. Visitors have reported sightings of ghosts uh, and the author himself. Keep a look out and you might see the great one roaming the grounds or writing on the wall 
his office. It's a nice little story, but it is definitely an ad. The university bought it, and you can come visit it right now if you want. You gotta pay some money though. So that's definitely using the world of the paranormal to advertise this location. It is now 11 to 8 for normal stories, beating advertisements. All right, now we're going to get into some ghost stories. Lost Ghost Hotel with Dark History is Britain's most haunted hotel. This is from the Liverpool Echo. A grand gothic hotel once dom dominated the surrounding and southport, but the imposing facade hid a number of dark secrets. The Palace Hotel in Birkdale made for an unforgettable sight amid the open spaces and sand dunes and represented something a monument to the stunning achievement of the Victorian era. In its heyday, it hosted hotel legends, including Clay, uh, Clark Gabe, Frank Sinatra, and Peter Sellers, and Boris Karloff, as well as the Hungarian football team in 1966 World Cup. Oh, this place sounds great. I definitely want to go check it out. Oh, wait. Uh, the Brookdale Hotel, with its 1,000 rooms and 200 bedrooms and suites, was Southport's biggest and once so important that it boasted its own rail station. Jeez, its own rail station. That must have been huge. Most of the building was demolished in 1960s. Most of the building was demolished in the 1960s to make way for new homes, although one corner remains. The hotel's former coach house is now the Fisherman's Rest Pub on Weld Road. Sadly, the Grand Hotel now stands, stands as just a memory. The article goes into more of the history of the hotel. Uh, we're just going to skip that point and just uh, get to some local legends. Now, locals claim the hotel's architect committed suicide when he discovered that the building had been built back to front with its grand facade facing inland instead of seawards. Now, this is some pretty creepy stuff. That reminds me, you know what, for some reason, this building reminds me of the building Ghostbusters where the building's architect went insane. Uh, other stories tell two sisters dying in a suicide pack at the hotel. Jesus. Most grisly was the murder of a six-year-old Southport girl by a hotel porter in 1961. Her body was found under a bed. Oh my gosh. The hotel's reputation never really recovered. Yeah, no shit. Let's be real. Two sisters committing suicide pack another six-year-old girl getting murdered i mean this is not a place where you want to vacation with your daughters that is for sure and in 1969 the hotel became the subject of an international interest as a demolition crew moved into ver and various seeming paranormal activities occurred so that while they're trying to tear this building down paranormal activities are occurring while the brookdale palace may be long gone the hauntings apparently haven't the ghost of the little girl reputed inhabits the fisherman's rest the pub is where 14 lifeboatmen were temporarily laid to rest after being drowned trying to save other souls and on december 9th 1886 when the sailing ship mexico was driven offshore now it's nice that the building has tons of history um but it's just kind of weird how some buildings just don't work they have tons of history and sometimes it makes them a grand beautiful place to go and sometimes it makes them a horrible place to go. And that negative energy sort of builds up in them. And just, just one thing after another after another. It's almost like there's an evil uh, trapped inside the place. 
but yeah the article goes into a lot more of the history of the hotel and a couple other occurrences in it but yeah yeah it definitely sounds like it is a very haunted hotel a haunted place in southport cool story check it out that is not an ad because that hotel doesn't exist anymore it got shut down so not an ad so right now the score is 11 ads using paranormal as leverage paranormal to trick you into going places and 10 non-ads but i think as we travel along this part of the show we're going to see a lot more non-ads because these are more stories these are stories from britain and it's always curious how the british people allow the british news stories the british news sites allow people to tell their stories about ghosts captured on camera or people seeing ghosts or people having ghost hunts it's always very cool now this is actually a ghost that was caught on camera uh the sundry echo has this story that shows a video of a ghost knocking a pint off the table now this is a bit nonsense but let's go uh cctv footage from the victoria gardens pub in hendon caught a pint being thrown off a table despite no person touching the glass and the landlord says it's the work of the resident ghost after sharing the video on facebook oh my god now if you look at this video this looks like canyon creekers straight up canyon creekers now look at this video you can see how there's a table there that is normal and there's a person sitting behind it and they're looking towards where there's another table that looks like it's being lit up by the sun and nothing really seems to be happening. You're watching the video, nothing happened, nothing happened. And then all of a sudden, this pint glass falls off the table that's being blinded out by the sun. So you don't, you can't even see the table where the pint glass is. And all of a sudden, it appears out of nowhere. And another part is that that table is off camera. Half that table is off camera. So you can't even see who's at the other end of the table. You don't even know. You could, there could be people on the table. There could be people using strings on the table because the table is so bright. And you can't even, if you can't even see a pint glass on that table with the resolution of that camera, you are not going to be able to see a string. There could be uh, magic being used. So it definitely doesn't look like it's a ghost pushing a pint off the table. And I'd be pretty upset that the, there's a ghost pushing pints off the table and they're not charging for the pints. Like if these are full pints... Man, oh man. Well, I wonder what type of beer the ghost is pushing off the tails. Maybe they served it garbage beer. <laughs> the ghost is like, forget this. I don't want this beer. But this is clearly Canyon Creekers. They're having fun. You know, it's a pint. It's a Friday night or a Thursday night or whatever, whatever night it is. And they're having fun. Like, oh, the ghost pushed the pint off the table. He 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 he. Uh, there's no one else around when the pint fell off the table. We seem to get strange things happening at the same corner of the pub. There, well, there was at least one guy in the video, and he's looking right towards the glass, so maybe he put that there. Some of the Pines' historic ghost stories include other glasses being smashed, chairs moving, and eerie feelings of spirits down in the cellar. Ooh, an eerie feeling. That means that there's ghosts there. The 19th century pub reopened just last June after a refurbishing. Oh, this is an ad. This is a pub using a paranormal skew to get people to the newly refurbished Victoria Gardens pub. It's not big tourism. It's not tourism company using paranormal to get people to go to locations. But it's definitely an ad, so we'll add it up. That is now 12 to 10.
12 to 10 for ads for people using paranormalized ads to get people to come out like listen i'm not mad at it good for them for trying it but the video is a little bit dumb it's a little bit suspect you know but you know it's around halloween i do understand they just renovated uh covid shut everything down they're trying to get people to come back out and have a good time in a socially distant respectable way next this one's from derbyshire uh, ghostly figures spotted in the ruins of derbyshire stately home they came from across the spooky site while ghost hunting well they got exactly what they were looking for a woman says she has been left with chills after spotting a ghostly figure in the ruins of a derbyshire stately hotel now if you're going ghost hunting and you see a ghost and you get scared is that kind of like you know you went hunting you found a deer you shot the deer and you got scared you know you have that uneasy feeling this is what you should be preparing for. It's what you. That's what you want. You want to see a ghost. You don't want to get scared. If you get scared from seeing ghosts, maybe you should find another activity. Charlene was visiting Scarsdale Hall near Chesterfield while a group of fellow paranormal investigators, or with a group of fellow paranormal investigators, when the figure came into view in the abandoned hall. She says the group who travel across the UK under the name Paranormal Haunting. It's actually a really good name. That's a really. That's a top five names i've heard all week for paranormal groups paranormal hauntings uh set up shop in the skeleton of the building and were delighted with what they found during their trip in april last year if this is from april <laughs> way to be timely derby news liar like well just this person these people found some ghosts and we're not going to bring it up for uh, a couple months from april my word uh, the instruments they used to detect paranormal activities immediately began going off and groups sensed the presence of um, the presence in the building with them. Hmm. All right. Things got even more bizarre when two members of the team suddenly and mysteriously became ill and needed to go home, leading to the night being cut short. Yeah, right. Let me get this straight. It's April. It's cold out. It's rainy. You're wet. Uh, I got the COVID. I want to go home. Oh yeah, I got the COVID too. Let's uh, let's go home. COVID or ghost uh, <laughs> ghost flu. Charlene says the apparition is believed to be the spirit of a woman who was looking for her husband, but who went off to war but did not return. All right, now this is where things get a little sketchy for me. When people start filling in the blanks like this, like here's a ghost and her husband went off to war and didn't come back. Well, hey, is it World War One or World War Two? Who knows? But also, like, how do you even know that? How do you even begin to put that together? That's like a fantasy. It's like I saw, like, this is the problem with uh, ghost hunting communities is, is when people start, and this is also uh, UFO community, communities, is when people start to fill in the blanks. Instead of just saying there's ghostly, not even there's ghostly activity here. Because when you say there's ghostly activity, you're saying there's a ghost here. You're saying that there's a... a a spirit and energy of a person that resides there and the problem is is that our community the modern history of our community the ghost community and the paranormal community and the ufo community has been built by charlatans and that's what people see that's what people hear you hear the seances and stuff like that most people talk about the charlatans of it because they're in pop culture the most not the real investigating being done like we don't know that these are ghosts we know that there's maybe energies there that cause electrical interference that's caused these devices to go off but not 
Um, but not ghosts, not energies of people that have died. Especially ones that are looking for their husbands who went off to a war. Especially in Britain, who went off to a war and didn't come back. That's filling in some blanks that's inappropriate to do. Now, there is more to that story, but we'll keep moving on. That definitely was not an ad, so we'll put it in the non-ad category and keep moving on. All right, folks, I'm not going to lie. Uh, we got a couple uh, garbage articles here first to work through, but I think we need to highlight the garbageness of these articles to put them past us, to show us why we aren't going to be going to the Times Hub anymore. Mysterious seething of Black Sea has puzzled netizens. Well, the word netizens, netizens in the headline is, a, is an alert right there. Now, netizens is like a word for someone on the internet. Like everyone's on the, you're on the internet right now. But people that comment about pictures on the internet. A rather unusual and mysterious phenomenon which was recorded on a camera off the coast of Scotia caused bewilderment and puzzled many web users. However, the author of the video published on the social network, Instagram, could not understand the nature of this strange phenomenon. So the picture is just of that of a whirlpool. There's no frame of reference, and it doesn't mean anything. But the story goes on to say, in the frames presented, you can see how one of the areas of the sea of the water is actively boiling and large bubbles bursting out along with the foam. Like, we have no frame of reference for where this is, what is happening. It is the most ridiculous story. This Times Hub is not a very good website for things because they, they are just trying to churn out articles, just trying to have those flag things. So Black Sea's boiling. No, it's the Kraken from the folklore tales. It's the culprit. He's doing it. But they're doing like they're not doing anything journalistically wrong. They're saying people on the internet see, are seeing a picture and they're reacting in this way. So technically they're right, but they're skewing the conversation away from like real uh, uh, bones of the story, real real life going ons. So the Time Hobbs is a stinky article has written a stinky article, and I think they're a stinky site. Until I see further uh, reason to uh, talk about their articles, I'm not going to. And we're going to move on. This one stinks. We're just moving on. Now, this is a fun one, but it's also a distraction, but it's fun. Now, guess who's back? Headline of the article is, All shook up. Face of Elvis mysteriously appears on giant wave. The WSMF has the story. Jordan Crosby spent around half an hour photographing the surface of Seaham Lighthouse in the county of Durham in the UK with wind speeds up to 65 miles per hour. And now when he got home, he realized that he had captured Elvis in waveform. Well, this is, it feels like it's from, no, this is from the Daily Express. So the Daily Express has articles like UFO sighting claims Wizard of Oz alien city discovered on Saturn moon and NASA. That's the usual headlines for the Daily Express. So this article is also stinks, but also like a, it could be just a lucky photograph. 100%. You know, there's that theory. An infinite number of monkeys working for an infinite number of time would be able to uh, write up all of the world's knowledge 
but there's also this thing called Photoshop. Maybe you heard of it. It's been around for a while. Or maybe Elvis is back. Maybe that's the one thing we need. We need Elvis to come back and help us out. <laughs> uh, it's just a fun article. You know, it's good to think that Elvis would be out there just helping us take care of businesses one more time. He's like, all right, COVID is there. You know, there's fires everywhere. Let's uh, let's sign to take care of business. So last week, we had some troubling news. We had some bad news. The idea that Nessie had escaped from the Loch Ness. But this week, we got some good news. Out of the Rothshire Journal, something massive leaves monster skeptic lost for words on Loch Ness. Here we go. Finally, some good stories. A Nessie skeptic has been converted after spotting a giant creature rise out of the water while out for a walk. Oh, this is awesome. Nessie's back and better than ever. Now are the pictures. Uh, Corey, 23, and Laura, 22, were walking at doors on Saturday at around 3.40 p.m. when they saw something the size of a bus emerge from the depths. This is, this is awesome. Now, Corey, who is a full-time carer for his wife, said he has always dismissed any talk about the Loch Ness Monster, but after seeing the eel-like fish believes that there is something lurking in the waters that is quite unbelievable. He said, I have been camping and walking on the Loch Ness my whole life, and I've never believed in the Loch Ness Monster. Now, to me, that's a little bit disappointing. You're like living in, in one of the biggest, most well-known hotspots for cryptids in all of the world, and you don't believe? You're like, ah, I don't believe it. I've lived, I lived in the Loch my whole life, and I don't believe it. Ah, it's like a waste. Let me live there. I'll move there. Me and you can swap. <laughs> you can live in the prairies where there's no cryptids anywhere. Just high strangeness. Let's get back to the article. But what my wife and I saw, something quite extraordinary, I'd like to know if other people had seen it at the same. Uh, it was what looked like, to me and Lauren, like a massive eel. It was the size of a bus. It was massive. All right, calm down. Calm down already. We saw the water rippling as if something was swelling. Oh, calm down. This guy's getting randy. This couple needs to calm right down. And that's what grabbed our attention. Oh my gosh. This guy's talking about how there was a monster swelling and rippling. And that's what grabbed their attention. Jesus. We then saw this thing. It looked like a massive eel rise from the water and go back down. Down. Uh, easy boy. There was a large swell. Alright, calm down with the swells already. Other people walked the same path and saw it as well. Jeez. You were doing this in front of other people with your massive eel-like monster? Jeez. This story is a little racy if you ask me. Uh, the story goes on. I reached for my phone. Oh, good. So we're going to see some pictures of this. I reached for my phone, but it was all over a matter of 10 to 20 seconds. Oh, I'm not so brave now. And only showed itself for a few seconds. By the time I got my phone, it had gone underneath again. Uh, so there is no pictures. That's too bad. Uh, not including Mr. and Mrs. S.'s experiences. Seven Nessie sightings have been recorded in 2020 so far. Nessie is coming back. Yes, even in the year of COVID, Nessie's, Nessie's coming back home. The latest in the official... Maybe Nessie was on a, maybe Nessie was on a, a quarantine, a lockdown. So we'll follow up that story with another Rosshire Journal story. Loch Ness Monster... Or log nest monster. Oh, when you know, you know the story is going to be a good, honest, 
wholehearted story when they have a zinger like that in the title. But let's continue. Walker shares a clip of something in iconic body of water that spooked his dog. A walker at Loch Ness saw something unusual on the water and caught it on camera. Trevor R., who is an offshore worker, they always bring up the person, like the articles are exactly pretty much the same. So-and-so who does this for a living saw this while doing this. Uh, was walking on Dora's speech at the weekend when he saw something in the lock. Last week at the same spot, another inverse man saw something the size of a bus moving around in the water, uh, confessing to be a Nessie believer. Oh, but this one believes in Nessie. So already we can see the bias from this witness because he believes. Last week at the same spot, an inverse man saw something the size of a bus. Confessing to be a Nessie believer, Mr. R., who is from Inverse, said, I've been along door speech loads and never seen anything like this before in the water moving. It might have been a log. The video is a bit strange, though. It's like he's showing in the, like, in the video. He's sort of highlighting where this strange thing is, this thing bobbing up and down the water, and then his dog runs by, and he records that, and then the dog barks, and then the video goes down. So the video, you know, like, it could be like, uh, here's my cool CGI, or here's a stick in the water. The story continues. At the next slip away, as we walked along throwing sticks into the water, I noticed the shape moving out of the water. All right. Now, here's where things are a little bit fishy. This guy is throwing sticks into water. You think if Nessie hunters knew that they were attracted to sticks being thrown into the water, they would have found that out like 20 years ago? Well, let's take a look. This guy is taking his hounds out for a walk and he's throwing sticks in there like he does on the common. And they all of a sudden sees Nessie because he's attracted by the stick throwing. Now, probably he threw a stick in the water. It didn't go down right away and it looked like a Loch Ness monster. The story goes. Then, Mally started barking and I said, to Sarah, look, that's Nessie. She laughed and said it looked more like an alligator. Oh, it looks more like a stick that you tossed in the water to me. Our dog, Mally, the big girl that she is, started shaking and making noises, so we took her home to dry off. I think she got spooked. Yeah, because you, you probably spooked her when you stopped throwing sticks in the water. That's why she was barking at you. She's like, keep throwing those sticks. I want to go after them. That story stinks. Maybe Loch Ness... Maybe, maybe the Loch Ness Monster is in quarantine and he's not coming up until things are sane again in the world. My word. Here we go. The last story of the week. Now, last week, the South Peace News had an article about the mysteries of High Prairie, Alberta. And this week, they had like a follow-up counter-argument to it in the commentary trying to find Bigfoot and Little Green Men. Now, the story goes like this. Last week, in this space, Joe McWilliams wrote about Bigfoot. I share his fascination about the possibilities of big hairy apes roaming our woods of the Pacific Northwest. Did you know Bigfoot sightings have also occurred in Florida and the Appalachian Mountains? Bigfoot apparently gets around. Uh, he does. Apparently he is everywhere. Or she is everywhere. As he, sh he should have said, she's everywhere because we know that it's a female wild man out there. According to the Pat Patterson-Gimlin footage, it seems ridiculous to believe even one exists. I mean, not one solid evidence yet. Perhaps 
Bigfoot sightings, pink elephants, and three-legged men only appear at the same time at your local bar. <laughs> uh, that's a that's a funny joke. You know what? He, he uh, hooks us in with this uh, talking about Bigfoot being real. You know what? Being in Florida and Appalachia. And then it's like, oh, no, it's only when you're drunk and at the bar. Well, I, I don't think... That's that's the thing, right? Is if you're drunk and you see something like that, it does just look make you look like uh, like you're lying. It discredits your whole tale. But we will get back to this story. It brings me to the subject of UFOs. Okay, we're talking about Bigfoots, and all of a sudden now we're talking about UFOs. That came out of nowhere. But all right, this is cool. Let's keep going on with the story. Millions of people believe men from outer space are spying on us as we speak. Well, yeah, probably. Pretty important people. Some believe the human race is merely an experiment, gone horribly bad, (laughs) and the little green men will eventually save us when man is on the brink of total destruction. Now, this guy drops the little green man bomb. That's two strikes against this guy. Little green men should not be used in an article. Now, I said it in the title, and that's fine. Headlines are headlines. But the fact that he made Little Green Man in a serious reference to extraterrestrials is just, for me, is a is a strike two on this article. Now, the story goes on to say, Earth, the ultimate petri dish. How insulting is that? Now, hold on. As someone who's worked with petri dishes, that's pretty insulting. There's a, so much work goes on to petri dishes you got to actually make the dish from the plastic itself, or a company does. You get it from there. You have to sterilize the dishes. You have to make the agar. You have to keep everything sterile while you're pouring the agar into the agar dish and have it cool at, um, so that they're level. You have to keep everything sterile until you can use the agar to expose it where you want to expose it at the example at the exact sample site you want to expose it to or put something on it that you want to uh, grow you have to let the organism grow on the media you have to know what type of media is going to host the right organism you have to sample and harvest the organism and choose what you want to do with it selective growth and it takes days it takes weeks to get this done and this guy's saying that he's just throwing away petri dishes it's just pretty insulting this is strike three but you're lucky that i liked the article last week we're going to keep reading if you are religious and believe in God, create it the one and only world we live in. Stop right now and flip the page. All right, this is interesting. We'll, uh, we'll see where he's going with this. However, if not, let's examine the possibility. Earth is in the Milky Way galaxy. It includes an estimated 10 billion stars. The Milky Way is only one of an estimated 2 trillion galaxies in the universe. Oh, this guy's using math. Taking... Trillions of galaxies and billions of stars and each galaxy and planets around the same said stars, the probability this accidentally accidentally we call life on Earth has occurred somewhere else is astronomically high. You know what? This is the smartest thing this guy ever wrote. Right there. We'll go back to the article. Logically, we can assume there are millions, if not billions of planets where life is not as advanced as ours and we can also assume that there is the same number of planets where life is far more advanced. Hence, we have explorers called aliens or little green men. All right, drop that little green man comment again. It's getting very, it's like strike 3.3. Let's just keep going. 
Earth has not produced its true Captain Kirk yet. <laughs> what the heck? Now, I don't know why this guy brings up James T. Kirk, but uh, I, the James T. Kirk I remember used his cunning to befriend a lot of his problems, if you know what I mean. He also fought a lot, but he also was um, pretty handsy with his problems. There's more to the story, and like, it's a little good little roller coaster of a read if you want to uh, check it out. Um, to end it like this science fiction has depicted alien life in just about every form imaginable makes it for great theater doesn't it aliens must be messing themselves with laughter as they <laughs> messing with themselves with laughter as they observe how humans uh decipher them i thought he was very keen that aliens were not looking at us either aliens are looking at us or they're not looking at us we all know how superior humans view inferiors. Not too much compassion most of the time, I'm afraid. Oh yeah. It's a good article. It has its roller coaster moments, up and down. The guy is clearly angry at something, I don't know what. But yeah, I mean, Little Green Men, that's a strike for me. Petri dishes, that's a strike for me. But the article's good. Good job, Chris. That is going to do it for the show this week. The War Zone has a fantastic article about the report and the audio from when, do you remember when the jetpack man uh, was flying around uh, the southern states it was just incredible so it has a, the audio from the FAA from the jetpack man incident you guys, I have a link to it below it's a very uh, cool very interesting intriguing phenomenon it's very reminiscent of those flying machine articles you know you used to read about Back in the day when you hear about, oh, there's a flying machine spotted above Missouri, you know, and they landed and we had spirits with them and they said they were from the center of the earth and they flew away. So it's a very mysterious thing. It's hard to believe that there could be a jetpack man that flew around the air and like plane saw him and he disappeared and got away. Very interesting. But yeah, go check it out. Very good. Um, it, I do, it was a number, an even number. I'll say this about travel agencies tourism using paranormal to lure people to sites to go sightseeing it's not a bad idea it's not great it's not great that some of the most powerful articles that i i see through my google alerts and my searching are ones from travel agencies but people are always intrigued by the paranormal and if someone can you know have a good sunny vacation in Mexico and go see some uh, spook lights they're going to do it they're going to check it out but just what I see right now like half the story is written a bit but I would never have known about the Alaskan Devil's Triangle if it wasn't for the Travel Channel show so there's a good and a bad to it that do promote the stories but also a lot of it gets lost a lot of that home growing community based storytelling gets lost that's what I saw this week. Again, thanks for listening. Please subscribe. This channel, of course, needs your help. Spiritedkenny at hotmail.com. If you have a story you want to tell us, Twitter at Spiritedkenny. And believers, keep believing, eh?